Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Clones, what's going off? Happy Smack Off, 321. Clones, what's going on? A very happy Smack Off Eve to you. It's going down tomorrow. In fact, it even got started early today. Vic and Mike both getting in some reps. Baseball had itself a night. Bryce Harper got run. So did Adrian Beltre for an on-deck circle violation. Cormier Jones, less than 48 hours away now, and the two of them nearly got into a brawl yesterday. And we had three tremendous interviews. Hawaii head football coach Nick Rolovich got up early, called in as training camp kicked off. We had another excellent conversation when Nebraska head man Mike Riley and SI's Andy Staples went deep on both college football and food. Alvy, let's fire this thing up right now. Baseball had itself a night last night. Let me start in the district where Bryce Harper came up in a 2-2 game with runners on first and third in the bottom of the eighth. He took a first pitch ball. The next pitch was called a strike, which old Bryce did not care for at all. There's the fastball. See, that's the intensity of this at-bat coming out on a bad call. He is so locked in. He lives for these situations. Then, then came the 1-2 pitch, and then came the chaos. Swing and a miss on the fastball at 98. And Bryce Harper's been tossed. He slams down his bat, gets in Chris Siegel's face, and now he's going to further demonstrate where the strike zone is. If he didn't drive that run in, he wasn't staying in this game. And he said that's twice, so there must have been a call earlier in the game that he didn't like down the zone. Harper and home plate umpire Chris Siegel going at it, chest-to-chest jawing, serious adrenaline. Afterwards, Harper said he may need to change things up, starting with his music. Check this quote. I think I need to change my playlist because I get a little fired up. 5 a.m. really got me fired up by logic. I called my brother and was like, man, I am so fired up to play today. I guess it got me a little too fired up. I guess I need to mix in some temptations and some of those jazz bands to calm me down a little bit. End quote. You're right, Bryce. Whatever works. But if you're going that route, you can't do the temptations. You've got to speed right past that and then end up in smooth Jazzville, USA. I'm talking Kenny G. None of this adult contemporary or yacht rock. That's just playing with fire. Anything in the easy listing family will be your friend from now on, Bryce. In fact, if you're really serious about this, you'll skip right over the smooth jazz and the easy listening and go straight to Muzak. Just bump some elevator music in your headphones before games. That's the call. You'll be fine. But as weird as that ejection, and Harper's explanation was it had nothing on Adrian Beltre getting run in Texas. Last night, the legend was trending on Twitter again. And normally, if he's trending, it's because he just went yard off one knee or because Elvis Andrews is messing with him in the field or rubbing his head in the dugout. Not this time, though. Beltre went three for three last night, two doubles and a bomb, bringing him to 2,996 career hits. But that wasn't the notable part of the night. Nope. That honor goes to the fact that he was ejected from the on-deck circle. Truly one of the weirdest moments ever. Let's set the stage right here. Bottom of the eighth, Miami leads the Rangers 18-6. to But Texas has the bases loaded. Beltre's on deck. Well, not close enough to on deck for second base umpire Jerry Davis, the second base ump. Davis walks towards Beltre, tells him to get back in the on deck circle, and then I will let the announcers take it from here. Well, what do we got going on here? What? Tell him to get, tell him Adrian to get in the on deck circle. Oh, no, Adrian. Oh, boy, he's just been ejected. Kicked him out of the game. Come on. That is one of the strangest things I've seen. And now Jeff Bannister out. Well, now Bannister's been ejected. Once he was told, move back to the batting circle or get in the batting circle, he said, okay. I'll just move it over here. It's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Let me try and recap that and make some sense of the whole thing for you. So Beltre's taking a couple of warm-up hacks, but he was not in the on-deck circle. Jerry Davis told him to get into the on-deck circle. Yeah, because... That's a super important thing in a 12-run beatdown to make sure that guys are officially all in the on-deck circle. 
So Adrian then drags. He drags the on-deck circle a few feet to where he had been standing, and then he stood in the on-deck circle, and he continued to swing. And then he got ejected for that. And then manager Jeff Bannister was ejected as well. Please, for the love of all that is holy, do not try and tell me that's part of the code. I know that umpires never want to be shown up, but how big a red ass is Jerry Davis if he's running that legend in a 12-run game for having a little bit of fun? And if you listen to Adrian, he's pretty clear that he wasn't showing up the ump. He wasn't trying to be funny. He was just standing in the same spot that he has stood in for most of his career, including earlier in the series when Davis was the home plate umpire. In other words, he doesn't know what the hell was going on, just like the rest of us. Got robbed of a at-bat. Yeah. Having a good game. Is that make it a little bit more frustrating? Yeah, obviously it was no need for that. There was no need for him to call me out there. There's no need for him to throw me out because I, I don't think I showed to him off. I just did what he told me to do. Uh, he doesn't know what the outcome of the game could be. I mean, he was trying to come back. Took one at bat from me, so who knows what it could be. Uh, I don't think that was necessary. Maybe he was trying to do something different or, you know, be good. No, I don't know what the hell happened. But, I mean, I, I don't understand what his, his problem is. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened. Neither do we, Adrian. I don't understand what his problem was either. But nobody anywhere should have any problem with Adrian Beltre last night. This guy's an absolute treasure. And if he wants to drag the on-deck circle all the way to the pitcher's mound for his warm-up, that's fine by me. Hey, but thank you, Jerry. Thank you very much, Jerry. Glad that you're out there looking out for all of us. Now, get back to righting the rest of the wrongs in the world. You know, like those jerks who slide into a parking spot with time left on the meter that they didn't pay for? Go take care of that. Or the guys who fill out the survey card at TGI Fridays after their French onion soup comes out too cold. Or complaining about puppies and kids laughing too loud. Or tonight... Whenever you step between the lines next time, whenever that is, with that badge on your chest and the game of baseball's integrity on the line, you do whatever you can to protect that on-deck circle. You protect that on-deck circle, Jerry, like your life depends on it. What a red ass. Nick Rolovich. Nick, good morning. Good to have you on. How are you? Honor to be on. Are you kidding me? This is wonderful. <laughs> Nick, it is great to have you on. Really nice to talk to you. All right, so you caused quite the scene at the Mountain West Media Summit because you traveled around with an Elvis impersonator. But before we get into that, the original idea, Nick, was for you to attend the events with a monkey on your shoulder. Where did that idea come from? I, I can't. I don't know where that came from. I, you know, I'm. I like Mike Leach a lot, and I like talking to him. I think he's creative, uh, and he makes a lot of noise, and I just. I thought a monkey would be, be cool to show up with, but that was, that was a hit. No, that that was much better for Vegas, I think. Yeah, I think it would have worked, though. I think it would have been great. But a school <laughs> spokesperson told Yahoo, quote, there were too many hurdles to jump to have that monkey show up. I mean, what are we talking about here? Was it financial? Yeah, we're talking about wildlife permits. You know, where do you go to get those? And you got to clear it with the Cosmo. And there was a little bit too much work to get it done. All right, so you fell back on the Elvis impersonator. What was involved in selecting the right Elvis, and then how was it to roll with him? Well, there's uh, obviously a plenty of, of options in Vegas, and I just contacted a, a talent company, and they said, hey, we got the guy that you need for this idea. And I just told them, hey, come hang out for two hours. You want to talk to the commissioner? Talk to the commissioner, sing with media, whatever you want to do. And just to liven it up, because that thing can get – kind of stale for eight hours. Man, that is so true. Nick Rolovich joining us. I mean, you want to liven that thing up. In fact, one of your players, Jelani Tavai, said that you do stuff like that on a daily basis, that bringing Elvis along was kind of normal for you, but he feels like the good thing about it is it keeps the players engaged and it helps prevent guys from getting bored by routine. Is that pretty much the goal that you have in mind, to keep guys focused and not get bored? Yeah, and to make this thing fun. I'll tell you what, you know, I've, I've got had a lot of ideas for a long time just now i'm in the seat where a lot of people can't tell me no so okay. <laughs> i like it the buck stops right there listen now if you go back a little further you were a quarterback at marin catholic here in california yeah. and then you went to city college in san francisco and then you went to hawaii to play what was it about hawaii that made you choose to play there well a lot of it had to do with coach june jones you know i appreciated his honesty 
I pre- he didn't he didn't try to sell me any goods. He said, "This is what we're going to do on offense. This is what Hawaii is all about." And I like the guy. And I said, "That's the kind of guy I want to play for." You know, don't don't try to. And we try to do that with our recruits. I'm not trying to trick you to come to Hawaii. If 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 you're going to come to Hawaii and I got to trick you. This is a horrible place to be miserable. Clones, I need a second to talk to you about Stamps.com. Stamps.com saves you time and money, which you can use to grow your business. I can mail any letter, any package, using just my computer and printer, and the mailman picks it right up. I can avoid the hassle of the post office and mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic or international. Stamps.com makes it so easy. They'll send you a digital scale, automatically calculates exact postage, Stamps.com. We will help you decide the very best class of mail based on your needs. There is no need to lease an expensive postage meter. Don't do that. I use Stamps.com for a number of reasons, but most of all, because I hate going to the post office. And I'll never do it ever again. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the very top of the homepage. Type in Rome. Stamps.com. Enter Rome. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office ever again. That's Stamps.com. Now it's back to our daily jungle. You had one of the all-time legendary games in college football history when you passed for 543 yards and eight touchdowns in a 72-45 win over BYU. Those are video game numbers. What do you remember most about that game? Uh, Just... It was such a process, and, and it just – everybody on the team, receivers, coaches, it just – that was just that moment where everything kind of came together and, and we took advantage of every opportunity. and An incredible rivalry for the University of Hawaii, and it was uh, it was really the love between all the players on the team. you got to play for one another. You can't play for – those numbers don't happen if you're, if you're trying to do it. You know, that just happens because you're trying to play the best you can with the guys you love. Nick Rolovich, head football coach at Hawaii, joining us on the practice field, in fact, about ready to get some work in. Yeah. You're, hey, Rome, you're open training camp, man. I love yeah, that, man. I love now. that. So, Nick, how you feeling? I mean, I can tell you're fired up, but you're about 10 minutes away from opening training camp. You're the head coach entering your second season. What's going through your mind right now, 10 minutes out? Well, I'm on with Jim Rome and the clones, and we're about to open training camp. I, I, don't, I couldn't have scripted this one. My man. Now, you played in NFL Europe and the Arena League and then you turn to coaching full-time. You were the quarterback's coach at Hawaii, then the offensive coordinator, and then you went to Nevada. So when the opportunity came up for you to return as head coach, what was your first reaction? Oh, I got it. I owe it to Hawaii. You see, when I got here, I didn't make all the right choices. And I, uh, you know, the 2001 numbers are good, but the 2000 numbers, those look real bad, and that's part of my fault. I was not focused. I thought I was coming on a two-year uh, spring break trip, and that's that's what our record represented after that season. So I kind of was able to turn around and get a second chance and didn't want to mess up that second opportunity. Because what happens is you're a senior, all you know is football. What the heck am I going to do next? You know, I wanted to at least give it everything I had that last year, and I was lucky enough to get that opportunity. But And I tell, I share all, with all these kids that story. This is going to go fast, man. And you you're you got such an opportunity to do something special. Don't waste it. Hey Nick, does it resonate with them? I mean, you know how you were when you were their age. I mean, what you know now is obviously something very different. But when you tell them that, do they get it? Does it resonate with them? Yeah, because I think I'm pretty honest. I'm not a real good liar. I tell them um, a lot of the stuff and the experiences I had and how it affected me. You know, I'm not gonna pretend like I was some angel. I and mean, we were all kids one day. But you know, these are these are kids now that have everyone's a paparazzi with their phones. They got they got got to be extra careful. I don't know what would happen if I had Snapchat when I was a kid. What do you think would have happened back then? What if you had Snapchat? Uh, what if you had the gram? What if you had Twitter? How do you think that would have gone? Uh, I probably wouldn't be standing here on this hill waiting for training camp to start at the University of Hawaii, probably. You know, you had a decision to make, actually. So, I mean, you've got this perspective. You want to come back. You want to get another shot, and then you get it. But the program that you came to had gotten 10-36 and 36 in the previous four years, had not been to a bowl game since 2010. So what was your sense of the state of the program when you came back? Well, see, being in Nevada, I played them every, we played them every year. And I, I knew there was some talent on the team, you know, but it was really about pulling the team together. So, for instance, 
there was a, the locker room, you know, the guys had picked their own lockers, so there was all these clips, right? There's black guys over here, the white guys over here, the small ones over here, the local boys from Hawaii in this corner, and I walk in and I go, so we, we blew that thing up and went black, white, local, Australian, Samoan, Tongan, and just made everyone kind of not by position, just, just, we are who we are, but we all got to be one at the end of the day. And Nick, you know how it goes, right? Winning's a habit, but losing becomes a habit, and then all of a sudden gets into your head, and then you develop that mentality. I mean, did you sense some of that? And did you have to change that culture, root that out? Did guys get used to losing? Yeah. They were, they had, all they had been called losers. Classroom, field. So we started with just giving them socks, you know? New socks if they, if we had competitions in the winter. Just to teach them how to win. Kind of like what Tom Herman you know, is doing down in Texas when I hear him talk. You know, you got to teach kids how to win. It pays to be a and winner. What it I pays- tell them, yeah. you know I mean, they can't be afraid to be great. If you're afraid to be great, you're done for. You know, you guys had a big first year. So what did it mean to you to not only reach a bowl game in that first year, but to end that season with a win in the Hawaii Bowl? Uh, it was huge for our fans and, and the seniors. I mean, this is, you know, we win six games. We're going to the Hawaii Bowl every year. I mean, that's just what it is. But the seniors on that football team last year, not one player on the football team had ever had a bowl experience. And so you had to coach them through everything. Guys, we're going to be down in Waikiki for a week. You know, this is what's going to happen. You know, I want you guys to enjoy it, but we're here to win the game. We didn't talk about going to a bowl game ever. We always talked about winning the bowl game because this was their only opportunity to be called a champion. And we wanted to take advantage of it. Nick, before I turn you loose, and I know you got camp starting, you mentioned Waikiki. It's been a few years since I went, but when I think about Waikiki, I mean, it's it's a major city now. It's a major city, yeah. and it's a great city, but like any other city, if you want to find trouble, it's not that hard to find it. What was your message to their guy, your guys in Waikiki and how they deal with that week? Well, there's another one I talked to Coach Jones. He said, you know, first night, I'm worried, right? What's the curfew? What's the schedule? Coach Jones said, listen, give them one night, no curfew. If they all show up to practice, you know you got the right guys ready to play this game. And we practice early in the morning, you know, it's 6.30 here. So, you know, everyone was on the bus, was at the practice, and they came on a mission. So that was some pretty good advice from Coach Jones. Mills was here on day one, but he definitely was here for the very first few smack-offs. Let's go to Rich in Anaheim Hills. Some of you remember him as Rich in Copyright Hills, if you're old enough. Rich, what's going on? Man, Smack, it is my pleasure to be here. And thank you for throwing me a vine, my man. You got it, Rich. It's great to hear your voice. And you are the oldest. You are the oldest of the old school. When I talk about old school, I'm talking about guys like Trapper and Silk and I. Ray, you're right there with them. Dude, well, I'm, I'm truly humbled that you're, you're willing to throw me a vine on the eve of the Midsummer Clone Classic. So happy Smack Off Eve to everyone, all the clones. Jim... The formalities, they're great. I love the show. I love you, man. But I, I'm here for business, and so let me get right to it, all right? I'm swinging in hard and smack. I'm kind of on a mission of redemption here, the redemption of Western New York. As you may recall, maybe some of you clones that don't know me don't know, I'm a transplant in SoCal, longtime SoCal, a transplanted from Rochester, New York. Western New York is my original home. And so now I'm coming out of the basement to claim the golden ticket on behalf of Western New York, because there's no way I'm going to sit and witness the horror yesterday of Rick in Buffalo flaming out, coptered in what will go down as the most omnipotent tank job in recent jungle history. I don't think that even Henry Heinlich could have dislodged that thing and revived him. So let me reset something for the collective, especially on the eve of the smack-off. Please refer to page one of the Jungle Survival Manual. Right there underneath, don't answer the call waiting during your call. It's have a take and, and don't suck. Don't suck is the operative word here, Rick. I mean, come on, for the love of Ernest Biner, man, could you just fall on the ball? No, you could not, why? You need to be like Tony Roman trying to find a way to snatch defeat from the hands of victory. It was absolutely brutal, Rome. I couldn't stand it. And I had to come in and say, listen, 
I need to represent Western New York because without representation, why would the smack-off be complete? I'm here to represent, and I need to say, Romy, I want an Oompa Loompa, Daddy, and I want an Oompa Loompa now. All right, Rich, thank you very much. Cornhusker head coach Mike Riley is my guest. Mike, it is so good to have you back. How are you, Mike? Great, Jim. It's great to talk to you. It's been a while. Mike, it is great to talk to you. It always has been, and it's nice to have you back. Now, you handled your business at Big Ten Media Days. Fall camp starts in a few days. When it gets to this point of the year, how eager are you just to get things started? That, that is a, that's a great question for me, Jim, because I've been doing it a long time, and I love it. I'm really excited about our team and fired up for camp. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I think I'm a little bit like a fan. I have an interest in this team. There's a lot of moving parts, but... Uh, it's been a good off season, and I think it's been a good progression with the program here, and and uh, kind of getting getting into the whole Nebraska scene, and I'm enjoying it. Mike Riley joining us. You know, Mike, there's so many interesting things in that response that I want to talk to you about. But let me first ask you: when you're coming off a nine-win season and you're entering your third year in charge, do you feel like you're now at a place where you have developed the culture that you want in that program, or maybe in some ways, do you never ever reach that place where you stop developing that culture? Oh boy, that's. I, I really believe after doing it a few times, Jim, that it's an ongoing thing. I think it's a three, four, five-year initial process of. This is this is uh, the w- way we expect it to look. You know, I've been there before where I've said I don't like how this feels or how this looks, and I think it is a process. I also think it's the football process too. You know, what what we want to establish is what we're good at, who we are, kind of identity type stuff. That's really been uh, fun and interesting for me because we've had, and now we're having a big quarterback transition from. You know, from first of all, from our history at Oregon State with our quarterbacks to a whole different skill set with Tommy Armstrong, and now kind of back to the same kind of skill set we had when when I was on the West Coast. Nebraska head coach Mike Riley joins us. All right, so in terms of quarterback, you've got Tanner Lee mm-hmm. taking over now. He comes in with a lot of buzz around him. What do you make of the way, Mike, that he's handled the attention that comes along with being the quarterback at Nebraska? Beautiful thing about Tanner, Jim, is there's not a lot of drama there. He he came in kind of as a guy that was initially really well-liked by everybody. He had to sit out the year because of the transfer. And then uh, and then pretty soon I noticed there was just a lot of respect there, too. So he was well-liked. He's well-respected. Not a lot of drama. Pretty mature and poised kid. I really I really like him. He, he reminds me of the transfer... Uh, situation we had years ago with Matt Moore coming from UCLA to Oregon State. Matt kind of entered in as one of the guys and and had a great two-year career with us, and I'm looking forward to seeing if Tanner can do the same kind of thing at Nebraska. You know, one more thing about Tanner is he had been the starter at Tulane before he transferred, mm-hmm. and he ran the scout team last year. It's not something that a lot of guys would necessarily like to do. What did he show you with the way he approached that job? That was uh, that told me a lot about him. He he did that again without a lot of drama. Uh, he told me he just wanted to do the very best job he could do for our defense. What you said is really a really interesting part because a guy that's already been a two-year starter in college football program to sit out uh, hard to do, I would think. And I thought that he handled it about as well as he could have and got himself ready for the off season and for spring ball. And we had a lot of fun with him in spring. So I, th- I think he's handled all that really, really well, really helped our team, really became one of the guys and was elected an off-season captain for our for our off-season workout program. Did a lot of stuff like that that's pretty impressive. We're talking Nebraska football with head coach Mike Riley. And, Mike, also you brought in Bob Diaco is your defensive coordinator. He is one of my favorite interviews in college football because of his enthusiasm and his intensity. What's yeah. it been like to work with him so far? Gosh, really fun. And what you said about him is, has been really confirmed here for me, uh, Jim. He, he is smart. Uh, he is detailed. He's a very, very good teacher. I, I was impressed with the, the um, amount of uh, production we got uh, accomplished throughout spring ball you know the 
the number of things that we got in because we changed to the three four. I've been intrigued with doing that for a few years. Excited to do that. Great marriage with that thought and getting to hire Bob. Uh, he's always thought provoking for me. He's been now a, a head coach, so a guy like that on the staff is really good for me. I enjoy talking to him about football programs as well as just the defense that we're implementing here you know Mike you are relentlessly upbeat you always have been and I could tell from the very top of the interview that you are fired up always fired up but it seems like there's a little something extra maybe unless I'm reading that wrong except that the one thing that keeps coming up everybody around the program is talking about the fire the motivation you have this year even more so than normal my question then is how do you go about maintaining that drive and that passion for what you do when you've done it as long as you've done it I think I think my age has brought on more of an appreciation for what I do, Jim. I, I really I really do appreciate this job, and uh, you know there's there's a lot of layers to it. But when you get down to it, you know the coaching of football and the work uh, the working with the with the young men is really something that is a valuable thing to get to do. And I'm really fortunate to do it. And I think getting to continue to do that is really special to me. So I'm. I am fired up about it, and I, I still enjoy all the parts. When I don't, I won't coach anymore, but I'm enjoying every bit of it, looking forward to the start of another football season. He likes to set the tone. He likes to give everybody something to think about. He has won this thing before, so he knows what it takes. Let's go to NoCal. Vic in NoCal, Broadway Victor. Vic, what's going on? Rome, this is not a RSVP call. This is the RSVP call. Dude, I invented the RSVP call. I invented walk-up music when I used that Game of Thrones song a few years back. I invented clones interacting on social media. What up, MySpace? In short, I'm the single most influential force in the jungle in the past 20 years. Everywhere you look in the jungle, you see my influence. Guys trying to be like me. There's Vic, and then there's a bunch of off-brand Vicks. So, Rome, my reason for calling today is because I'm not just interested in winning the smack-off. I'm interested in making history. You know, I heard that call you played yesterday from Brad when he went wire to wire. And I said to myself, hell, I can do that. But because I know that if I go wire to wire, a bunch of guys like Mike and Indy are going to whine like, well, that's not fair. Vic didn't have to respond to anybody. Well, I'm going to shut those guys up by going last in 2018. That's right. I want to win it by going first this year and then win it again by going last in 2018. A true wire-to-wire effort spanning 12 months and six hours of smack-off time. Unprecedented. I'm like Conor McGregor, man. I got it all planned out. You know, first I'm going to go up to 170 and beat Nate. Then I'm going to go down to 155 and win the belt. Then I'm going to make six figures fighting Floyd. And then I'm going to beat Nate again in the rubber match. So there you have it, clones. If Rome wants to put me in the leadoff spot, it's his call. But if he does, then you clones better make sure you got your radios on at 9 a.m. because the opening act will be the main attraction. The ceiling is the roof, baby. And one last point, Rome. You know, last year I gave Laugh props on Twitter for his call, but I didn't do that because I thought his call was good. I only did that so that you would retweet me and I would gain new followers, and it worked. Uh, come to find out, Laugh put his call together last year by having this little group of like 15 guys on Twitter all giving him ideas and like giving him one-liners he could use and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. Left crowdsourced the material for his call last year. Nicely done, Left. I mean, what did you do this year? Did you uh, set up a GoFundMe page, perhaps a Kickstarter? Look, I don't do this crap, okay? I fly solo, old school. It's just going to be me, my phone, my brains, and enough gonad to power a locomotive. Thanks for the vine, Rome. I'll talk to you tomorrow, twice tomorrow. Rack him. Like you said, he's the guy that invented the RSVP call. He's not calling to RSVP. Andy Staples. I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm recovered. We did a, a hot chicken power ranking in Nashville where I ate the extra, extra, extra hot from Prince's Hot Chicken Shack. And it is hot enough to liquefy your internal organs but i survived and uh just happy to say i I do it for the readers of course you do it for the readers now when you hit when you have something that hot hot enough to melt your internal organs exactly what do you chase that with i mean a big glass of milk something different well the thing is with hot chicken they stake it to a piece of white bread and that white bread does a good job of stopping up the uh the oil but if i were princes i would actually 
I would keep milk in a locked fridge and sell it for 15 bucks a carton because I would have paid anything for milk and they didn't have any. Andy Staples joining us for sure. For sure. I'm going to pick up that topic in just a moment. Let's talk some football for a minute. Now, it's been about a week since Hugh Freeze, quote, resigned at Ole Miss. As you look back on that now, what kind of thoughts do you have and what sticks out to you the most? Well, I just think it's, it's crazy that, you know, there's this whole NCAA investigation, four years' worth, and what ends up bringing him down has nothing to do with that. You know, it's a, it's a personal thing. It's a, it, they find this pattern of behavior based on one phone call to an escort that he forgot to redact. And it's a little, maybe it's a little too much in the SEC weeds, but the reason they found this phone call is Houston Nutt had sued Ole Miss. Houston Nutt's the former Ole Miss coach. He's also the former Arkansas coach. He got run at Arkansas and became the Ole Miss coach only after someone got his phone records and revealed some embarrassing stuff about it. So it's just just a crazy, ironic, weird story. For instance, Andy, the the phone call itself, right? I mean, if if that call does not turn up, does he survive the investigation, or was it a combination of things that ended it for him? In other words, was it just the escort call? I think the escort call would have done it. I mean, well, not just that one call, but the, what they found after that. I think that would have done it because he had he had cast himself as man of God. I'll make your son a better man. Uh, we're not even going to talk about football. Everything's going to be spiritual and, and life lessons and, and all that stuff. Well, it's pretty easy to recruit against that when you've got that to show people with the, with the escort call and, and whatever else they found. So I think that would have gotten him anyway. But, you know, if, if there'd been no call found, I still think he might have lost his job over the NCAA stuff. They were backing him. In fact, they'd extended his contract during all this. But – the NCAA could have suspended him uh, for up to a year, and if they'd done that, I think Ole Miss would have fired him. And the other part of it was Ole Miss knew that the NCAA is not going to reveal its ruling probably until at the end of this season or, or maybe even a little afterward. So you just let it ride with Hugh Freeze until you find out what happens. And if they say that he did anything wrong, you could then fire him for free. You wouldn't have to pay a buyout because it's in his contract that you have to follow NCAA rules. So – Ole Miss really wasn't in any position to need to fire him until that phone call got found. Andy Staples joining us. All right, I was going to ask you about where the investigation stands, but you just answered that. So go back to the other point. I mean, Freeze, his recruiting pitch was built around the fact that he's a man of faith. He led with that, and now we have this. So where does he go from here as a coach? It's a good question because I actually think whatever happens with the NCAA stuff will probably have more effect on what he does than the escort stuff, because if he's given what the NCAA calls a show cause where they can put some restrictions on him that would make him fairly unemployable for a period of time, I think it's going to be hard for him to get back into college coaching. You know, maybe he could go to the junior college level or the high school level, but at the high school level with this on his record, it's going to be tough. So I I don't know where he goes from here. And I do wonder if he hadn't portrayed that image would it have been different? Like Bobby Petrino, for example. Now, he had an affair with an underling and lied about it to his boss at Arkansas. That wasn't the same level as potentially doing something illegal. But, you know, on the moral scale, it's not that different. And he's gotten two head coaching jobs since then. But Bobby Petrino never really cast himself as a great guy. I mean, everybody kind of knew what he was. So when he did it, it, it was like, okay, Bobby Petrino is going to Bobby Petrino. With you freeze, he said, well, I'm this. And then he does something that is the complete opposite of that. I think that makes it harder for him. Andy Staples, my guest. I love the way other coaches glossed him. Jimmy Swag. Jimmy Swag. That is so funny. But now where does that leave Ole Miss? For instance, how attractive is Ole Miss now as a coaching destination? That also depends on what the NCAA does. If, if they get nuked and they have to you know, have multiple-year bowl ban – which also would allow a lot of their players to leave with no transfer penalty and really gut the roster possibly. It could be a pretty unattractive job, but here's the part where it becomes attractive. They didn't pay a dime to fire Hugh Freeze. They're still raking in a bunch of money off the SEC network. They're going to pay, you know, they can pay four and a half, five million bucks for a coach. 
And they're not going to do it if the market doesn't dictate it, if, the, if they don't get that kind of name wanting the job. But it's hard to turn down that kind of money, isn't it? For sure. For sure. All right, let me switch gears on you. In your mailbag, you were recently asked to project how many wins that Jim Harbaugh is going to have over Urban Meyer when it's all said and done. Harbaugh, of course, currently 0-2 since he arrived at Michigan versus Meyer. So how badly does he need to beat Meyer and Ohio State this season? I think they need to beat him at some point because, you know, if they don't win this year, I think the honeymoon phase ends. Now, I, nobody's going to want to fire Jim Harbaugh. He's done a great job. But the idea that he can walk on water and do anything, I think that part ends if he can't get over the hump against Ohio State because Ohio State, in most cases, is going to stand between you and the Big Ten title. And you've got to get over that hump at some point. And, you know, I just wonder with Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh, given both of their employment histories, how many meetings are we going to get between these two guys before one of them decides to either move on or hang it up? So I, I would love to see a 10-year war kind of deal like with Woody and Bo. I just don't know if we're going to get that many meetings. Mike in Indy, one of the ones to watch tomorrow, and he's checking in the day before the smack off. Mikey, what's up? Hey, not much, Romy. I actually didn't even call you this time. I'm sitting here thinking about the smack off, and all of a sudden my cell phone rings, and the caller ID says, the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studio. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. So obviously I answered the phone, and it was Lil' Alvy. I said, what's up, Lil' Alvy? What you call me for, fool? And Lil' Alvy's giggling, and he asked me, hey, Mike, do you like anyone on the XR4TI as a friend? Then I heard Hawk giggling in the background. I said, you tell Adam Hawk, Caw! which means you better don't in his language. I know I'm kind of a big deal, Hawk, but it's smack off week. I don't got time for this. While I'm here, I'd like to point out a few storylines to follow tomorrow. Me and Leff and Rich Ackerman are each tied at one half smack off apiece. How mad are they going to be when I'm sitting at 1.5? Follow-up storyline. Will Leff and Ackerman team up again? Leff has never had a top four finish without Rich Ackerman, and if you're pulling for Leff right now, you've got to be thinking about that. I know Leff is. Everybody's coming after me tomorrow like I'm the champ because they know that's the path to the smack-off. It goes through Indy. Callers are saving their biggest and best takes for me, and that's respect, which leads me to my next point. I've placed a take in Vic's hollow head, and I'm going to pull it out tomorrow during the smack-off. Vic is easier to hook than a largemouth bass. And if your team content, then your team Mike and Indy, because I got content for days. I know Vic thinks he's the trendsetter. He's an idiot. But today I'm announcing that my official walkout shirt for tomorrow is available now through Spotify, Shopify. The link's on my Twitter account, at the Mike and Indy, and the shirt says, you better don't. That's a message to everyone that wants to try to take this from me. These shirts are hot. I could go LeVar Ball with them, throw them up there for 100 bucks a piece, but I wanted everyone to be able to afford their own piece of this unique history. At just $25, even Brad and Corona can afford this shirt. And that's not all, folks. Half the proceeds of this shirt are going to go to fund a full-ride scholarship to the Mikey De La Creme School of Call. This will be awarded to the highest finishing golden ticket winner tomorrow. This is a very prestigious award I just created. Lastly, I need everybody to help promote this shirt by making fun of it tomorrow. Thanks in advance, fellas. Have I given you enough to talk about? I want to hear from Terrence and Sierra Madre. Rack him. The shirt's a real thing. I'm looking at it. All right, so we're down to our last 10 or so minutes of this program. Use it wisely. Dan in Seattle. Good to have you, Dan. How are you? I'm great, Jim. This is my first bind, so I'm going in and I'm swinging in hard. I'm coming out of Seattle. We just got our first title, and I'm ready to show them how you do it. I'm coming in like beast mode, and the rest of these clones are the New Orleans Saints. I'm smashing, I'm grabbing, I'm stabbing, I'm juking, and I'm causing an earthquake as Brad's face and hits the dirt. I'm going across the goal line and reaching down to do my best Michael Jackson thriller. Just beat it. Stop telling me how awesome you are and do something awesome. Say something awesome. Was that like a, a last second bid for a golden ticket? Is that what that was? Come on, Seattle, you got to be better than that. You know you got to be better than that. Let's go to Matt in L.A. Hey, Matt, what's up? How are you? Segundo, 
congrats on the 23rd Air Jordan entry of this Super Bowl of Smack Talk for Sports Radio. Uh, I got a couple locks for you, dog. Who's not going to win is going to be, first off, Mike and Dingy, the Don of the Dead, Ur the Midwife Mafia. You are not the champ, Mike. Stop. Mikey Lucci won't even break the top five. But uh, Phil, Fake Silk will break in. That's another lock. And uh, lastly, Mark in Hollywood, bro, going two times, bringing it home to L.A. Snaglito, keep up the excellent work. War Ackerman making a... Uh, cameo for anybody out all right matt you got it yeah i said who you got matt at least answered the question i said who you got and he started the call off by saying i'll tell you who i don't have mike and indy he says mike and indy's not going to finish in the top five he likes the fake silk which fake silk the fake silk or the fake fake silk the fake silk is not in the field the fake fake silk is in the field but he hasn't called lately the real silk because he won the event, will always be in the field. Hit me up. I can burn through a number of phone calls. We can go back to back to back. Little crossfire. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Orlando. Eric, you're in. Eric, how are you? Jim, I'm actually in Gloucester for the Bluefin Blowout, and we'll be rocking the, the smack off about 60 miles offshore. And we're looking for some positive jungle karma so we can reel in an 800-pound slob. Eric, that's awesome. What kind of boat? Talk to me about the boat. How big is the boat? This, what kind of a boat? This boat This boat is a gem, Jim. You've got to come out on it with us. 50-foot Viking, twin 720-man turbocharged diesels. Dude, that is a gem. 50 feet? Did you say 50? 5-0, Jim. And he just got all new halogen quartz headlights on it. The thing is trick. Oh, dude, that's awesome. What's the biggest thing you've ever pulled out of the water on that boat? 520. 525-pound uh, bluefin about two, about a year ago. And you're looking for 800 tomorrow? Yep, they're very rare. My father caught one back in 1979. My man. Eric in Orlando. Get it, bro. Get it. I appreciate the invite. Listen, I can't take you up on that tomorrow. But in the meantime, just bring the show onto the deck. Or bring the show onto the boat and let me know what you end up with. The record 525. He's trying to pull an 800-pounder out of the water tomorrow. Brand new halogen headlights, did he say? A little night fishing. He's got a 50-footer. Do you know sometimes when I post my lake life pics, believe it or not, I've got a boat. I'm not a boat guy. My boat ain't half his boat. Literally. My boat is not half his boat. I think I've got 24 feet. And by the way, boat wife does most of the driving. Janet's all about it. Janet is all about the boat life. Boat wife is all about the boat life. Running out of time. Maybe I have time for one more phone call. All right, now this guy called yesterday. Cal in Vegas. He's coming back. Yesterday did not go well. Let's find out what he's got today. In fact, before I go to today's call, in case you missed it, here was yesterday's call. This is where I think of you jungle calls. Listen closely. Clones, I'll see you on Friday. Get your popcorn ready. Not a good call. Didn't go well. I'll give him one more shot. Cal in Vegas. What you got, Cal? What's up? Hey, Jim. I wanted to apologize for what happened yesterday. I had an accident on the air, literally. That will not happen again. I took some medication, and I should be okay. Uh, before I get started, I wanted to give a shout-out to Caleb in Green Bay. Hey, bro, thanks for unblocking me. You must have received those Krispy Kreme gift cards I sent you. What's good, baby? Jim, I want to do a quick recap of this year's so-called smack-off season. First, you gave a golden ticket into that piece of trailer trash from Edmonton. Tyler likes to brag about how much money he makes. Meanwhile, the only reason he entered the smack-off is to win five grand to upgrade to a double wide. And that guy digs ditches for a living. Then you gave a golden ticket to Rick in Buffalo or whatever his name is. You gave him a golden ticket despite the fact that his fat face was pressing the buttons on his cordless phone. Beep! Beep! It's not a surprise he took a ride on this schmecky helicopter. Ah! That's not a good call. All right, anyway, Cal. You don't like that call. You're forgiven. That'll happen, I guess. It's fine. Now you're done. Whatever you do, bro, do not call back tomorrow and then apologize for today's call. 1-800-636-8686. In the event that 
any of you smack off callers don't know that number, and that's not even possible. Write that down. Cal, do not use that number tomorrow. All right, just take a few days off. Take the rest of the summer off, Cal. The big day is tomorrow. We've been talking it up now for several weeks. The field is set. If you're not in by now, you cannot get in. It is invite only. The 23rd version of the smack off. We had a tradition today. Vic and NoCal came in, not to RSVP, but to call a shot. It's kind of like the weigh-in, the smack off weigh-in. He always does that. What you normally don't see, though, is Mike in Indy chase Vic's call the way he did. Another tradition, the day before the day, the day before the smack-off, we always replay the winner of the previous smack-off just to set the table. Left in Laguna, the Laguna Beach boy came in, bum-rushed the studio, and did what he had to do to rip the crown, which he has worn now for exactly one year. Jimmy, you know be cool? If I snuck into your studio and wrecked Brad on your mic at the end of my call, it'd be so awesome, dude. Hey, Caleb, you should have had Sarah T singing on to Like a Virgin by Madonna. And great call, Chad. Next time, press the button for a sports take on that soundboard, all right? Kind of like this. Hey, Jim, who the hell chose Brazil as the Olympic venue? Ferdinand Magellan? Romy, Brazil's the worst idea since Mark and Hollywood got a bunch of actor friends in sweatpants together at a place called Big Wangs. I mean, seriously, Jimmy, you can't host the Olympics if your crew team thinks the world is still flat. Good news is, though, Jim, I'm sure there won't be a shortage of starter pistols, though. And, Romy, I don't mind watching Bob Costas with a little mild eye irritation like he had in Russia, but if dude contracts that Zika virus, I'm not down watching a guy with the head the size of a Titleist. Now, Romy, someone I wish had a smaller head, Mike in Indy. Mike, when you call in on Monday to challenge Rome's smack-off results, you know, like you do every year, Try not to sound like Johnny Cochran in the closing remarks of a case, Mike and Indy versus Urban Dictionary. Jim Rome, I do declare that the allegation of urbanization of the English dictation is a total falsification, Jim Rome. You better don't. And Romy, if there's one thing Mike's a bigger poser at than rapping, it's basketball. So question to NBA conspiracy fan. If the NBA is fixed, why haven't they fixed Draymond Green's underbite? I mean, dude's mouth looks like my dresser with the bottom drawer pull all the way out. If it was fixed, Romy, why haven't they slapped some braces on Shaquille O'Neal's crooked eyes yet? Anyways, Romy, speaking of weird-looking people, are we sure Chael Sonnen's knuckles are bruised from fighting dudes and not fighting to walk upright? I mean, Romy, this guy looks so prehistoric. It's like he's that Cro-Magnon in the Evolution of Man graphic. You know, like his version of straight fires just rubbing a couple sticks together. I mean, where'd this guy wrestle at in college, Romy? Mesopotamia State? Remember you check out the ledge over that guy's eyebrows? I mean, it looks like a nice place to entertain. I would just hate to pay property taxes on it. All right, um, everyone's wondering. And uh, everyone, if you're listening to the show right now, stop whatever the hell you're doing. If you're driving, pull over. If you're working, stop. I'm about to take this call where no call has ever gone before. This is one small step for a clone and one giant leap for clone kind. That's right. I'm literally standing right outside the O'Reilly Auto Parts studio door. Let's see who's home. We're walking. Oh, KB. Nice jorts, bro. You cut those yourself? You're looking good. Alvy. Don't you put a bounce house in here? That's awesome. What's up, guys? I'm looking right across the glass, and Jim Rome's staring right at me. I'm going in. Bro, you got to be kidding me. I'm not Lef, kidding you, Jim. Left, really. Left, you're in my house. You're in my house and you're rocking a Richie Incognito gamer. You got it, Jimmy. Left, what the hell are you doing in my house? This call's about How the to... hell did you get in here, Left? Romy, this call's about to get real good for everyone except Brad and Corona. Jimmy, let me thank you for allowing me in the O'Reilly Auto Parts studio. Better parts, better prices every day. And since Brad asked for it, let me get a quick sponsor for this guy. All right. This call is brought to you by Brad for Marvel comic books. For all your smack off script needs, including hilarious lines, clever smack, and witty banner, such as pew, 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 pew. I mean, Brad, what were you doing last year, bro? Were you imitating fireworks? Were you taking inventory of church seating? Did you finally catch a whiff for your own takes? Pew, 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 Brad. And Romy, it's Friday, so it's also an Ask the Pros Day, so let me handle this one. This comes right from, oh, look, Brad and Corona. Brad writes, hey, Lef. 
I got no athletic ability. I suffer from low T. I rarely call the jungle. I got no social media presence. And clones are growing tired of my wacky voices and penile references. You, on the other hand, left are fresh, cool. Your takes are hilarious and you have incredible sports knowledge. What do I do? XOXO, kissy face, Brad. Well, Brad, I got one answer for you. Put more effort in, loser. Punch your filth in the face repeatedly and stop sharing skinny jeans with your wife. And Brad, you need to stop watching all that TMZ and you need to start watching some more sports. So Brad, let me help you out with that. It's time for your sports update. My man, Rich Ackerman's got it. Rich? Breaking news we're following out of the Inland Empire. Corona police arrested a man-child today after discovering his elaborate plans to impersonate several different people using the same voice and wacky cartoon sounds in order to fraudulently win a radio contest. The Corona boy was released after surrendering his script, but authorities believe he now intends on calling the radio show and impersonating a man with sports knowledge. We'll keep you updated right here on The Jim Rome Show. Thanks, Rich Smackerman. You see, Brad, 2016 was the year of diminishing abilities and retired champions. Kobe, Peyton, Duncan. And to that list, I just added Brad and Corona. And Brad, now that I just carved you up so bad on Jim's mic, because you like impressions so much, here's one for you. Time to die. Thanks for the mic, Romy. He executed that. He opened up the helium balloon, sucked it in, and went with a time to die. <laughs> Left in Laguna. That was last year's winning call. And again, the question, what's that guy do? What does he do after what he did last year to raise the bar? We're going to find out. All right, it's on. See you tomorrow, the biggest day of the year. Maybe the best event ever. We'll find out. Smack off 23. Make sure you're locked and loaded and ready to go. You hashtag everything tomorrow. Smack off. As far as today, my thanks to Nick Rolovich, Mike Riley, and Andy Staples, the XR4TI clones. Have an incredible smack-off eve. See you right back here tomorrow early on. We're out. That does it for now. Smack-off 23 tomorrow. Make sure you hit subscribe, tell a friend, get hashtag smack-off trending, and check back right here tomorrow for more. See you then. We're out. Just because it's called higher education doesn't mean high tuition costs have to be the norm. At Strayer University, we have the radical opinion that education should be affordable. With our graduation fund, you can earn up to 25% off your bachelor's degree tuition, making it all the more possible to succeed in today's world. Welcome to the future of education. Strayer University. Out with the old school. Strayer University is certified to operate by Chef.